What's up, everybody? Welcome to the At Last Podcast, brought to you by the At Vantage Podcast Network. Coming at you again with our newest episode. Today, we're going to be talking about closing the network gap. But before we get into that, just a quick little overview of who we are at At Last and what we're trying to do. So initially, my my colleagues and I, uh, Kristen and Adam, who are also my co-hosts, wanted to just start a podcast and it eventually morphed into us realizing that the work we want to do and the things we want to accomplish would require different avenues. And so we started a nonprofit. We're in the process of that, the At Last nonprofit and in the mix, getting that up and going. And essentially we use this podcast to raise our voices. I mean, that's kind of what started this. So as we have our guests on, we want to turn up not only our voices, but we want to turn up the voices of others that we know. And without belaboring this point, I'm going to go ahead and get our next our next guest introduced to us. All right. So our guest today is Dr. Charles Ramos. He is currently the medicine program manager at Diablo Valley College. He holds two degrees from Cal State Fullerton, and I think was the very first master's in athletic training student in the United States. You might have to check that fact. He also has a doctor of health science from A.T. Steele University. He's a first-generation college student. And Chris and Kristen, you know we are just continuing our streak of distinguished guests Yes, yes. At the At Last Podcast, please help me welcome Dr. Ramos. What's up, Charles Ramos? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Fullerton is in the house. <laughs> A.T. Right. Still is in the house. A.T. Still is in the house. Yeah. There you That's go. That's right. <laughs> the networks are crossing. Um, That's right. I'm going to have to weave in Duke University somehow. I feel, <laughs> I feel left out. <laughs> there's an there's a network gap. Well, you got Cal State Fullerton too, bro. Chill. All right, all right. <laughs> Duke has no network. There's a network gap here. No, that's, that's actually why I wanted to say that because yeah. I don't have there a network go. gap. And actually, Dr. Ramos um, is an example of someone who has maybe leaped that network gap. And we we're going to discuss that today. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. Awesome. This is a good chunky topic. Yes. So let's just, I guess, quickly define it. Um, There's been some very current research in the business world looking at what is known as the network gap, and that is networks are not distributed equally. And so the following three things can really push your job obtaining ability as well as financial gain and how you go into the job market, you know, post college or training. And so where you grow up has a significant impact where you go to school and where you work. And so if you come from a zip code with a median income of over $100,000, you're nearly three times more likely to have a stronger network than a member from a lower income zip code. If you go to school at one of the top colleges, and so we can put this in the show notes, but top colleges have been defined, roughly defined by US News and World Report year in, year out. And so you could imagine some of those top colleges are Harvard, Princeton, Yale, 
I think Duke University is somewhere in the middle, but still a, a very strong network at those types of schools. And then where you work, if you work at a top company, you're two times more likely to have a strong network. So what we want to discuss today is if you are anyone, but if you're an athletic training student in particular, and you don't come from a place that is of wealth and you don't um, then go to a school that has one of the top schools in the nation and then you don't end up getting a job that has a really strong network, that's a problem. But uh, the secondary issue is athletic training is not diverse. So then if you lack these, uh, if you have this network gap growing up and then you're a person of color coming into a, a profession that is not very colored, you're now behind the eight ball by, I don't know, exponentially. Yeah. Yep. I think even to, you know, considering these these three kind of primary uh, influencers, if you will, what seems to be true, and we'll let Dr. Ramos dig into some of this stuff too, but what seems to be true is that you don't need all three of these things in place. So it's almost kind of like you get three opportunities, three three distinct opportunities. But but the truth of the matter is maybe these, they can build on one another, right? So maybe we can go in the reverse order, like where you work is predicated upon where you went to school and the networks that you got there. And then where you go to school is predicated maybe upon how you grew up and the networks you developed there, right? So maybe having one in place helps influence two and having two in place helps influence three. However, you can kind of enter into this, this step system, you know, at any level. And, you know, I know I, well, I think you already mentioned it too, Adam, like how Dr. Ramos maybe jumped that gap, right? As, as many minority students, particularly those who are first generation students have. So Dr. Ramos, why don't you just go ahead and talk to us a little bit about your, the, these different, um, these different variables of the network gap in terms of where you grew up, where you went to school and and then where you work and how those have been. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting, this topic of, of the network gap. And as I was writing down some notes yesterday about, you know, my experience personally and professionally, I mean, those three variables definitely influenced my life and everything around it, but it actually start like it starts way before me because if you talk about, you know, where you grew up and how that influences eventually what kind of profession you go into, it actually starts from my parents because, you know, my parents are immigrants from El Salvador. And so who the per, the people who actually made that first network gap jump were my parents because they came from a third world country right. and ended up in central L.A. in, in, in Los Angeles. And during the late 70s and early 80s, I mean, you would say like, wow, that's not really a jump, you know, but, comp but compared to <laughs> El Salvador, that was, uh, I mean, for, for my parents and eventually for myself and my sister. So that, that definitely made a huge difference on where I went to school and eventually what kind of job I got, because looking at family members that I have that still live in El Salvador. I mean, they're nowhere near where I am now. And not, not to say that, you know, I'm a better person or anything, but it's just to say that I had more opportunities than they did. Yeah. In terms of like profession. Right. 
and yeah, academic advancement. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the, you know, cause I've talked to, to Adam before about this and we probably mentioned this before, but I guess it's about opportunities. It's, well, I don't think our message or at least not my message is never like, Hey, we're, we're just trying to pick and choose different social groups just for the sake of it. No, we're just trying to, I, I think what we're really saying is that, you know, there's people that are really talented, really skilled, have great intangibles that just need an opportunity. One of the, the, uh, I guess what, what, the story that, that I've lived through and, and that my parents always kind of have told my sister and myself is what their life was like when they got to this country and the people that my dad interacted with at his work, you know, because during that time, you know, you talk about racism and, and uh, being politically incorrect. Um, my dad was a mechanic and you talk about people who are talking about stuff that is totally politically incorrect. You go to his work, I mean, you're going to hear that all day. And so he was, you know, verbally abused and stuff through his work, but he never let that hold him down. And it got to the point, not it got to the point, but he ended up in this position where he had two people that looked nothing like him, one of German descent, one of Yugoslavian descent. And and those are the two guys that actually were kind of um, help him jump that network gap because they vouched for him. They help him get promotions and help him get new jobs um, that he might've not gotten without them. And so that just made me think of like, you know, maybe back then there was no LinkedIn, but um, you know, there was still people trying to kind of close this network gap and not just based on because, Hey, we're trying to do the right thing and help someone out here that's disadvantaged. But you know, they saw potential in him. If it wasn't for people like that and people in my life, you know, such as you guys that have always, you know, brought me in and said like, hey, this guy has something to bring to the table, you know, like just that opportunity, I, I think is is a really valuable thing that many, um, especially athletic training students coming out of school, they just need that one, like, door that gets open just a little bit just to be like hey let's let's see what you can do here we've partnered with online-therapy.com a complete counseling toolbox where you get all the support and tools you need to be happier based on cognitive behavioral therapy head to opportune.at slash online therapy to get started for free and enjoy 20 percent off your first month of therapy you're the story of your father is a good example of how he didn't necessarily, you know, grow up in a particular place that could help his help influence his network in a, in a maybe in a positive or exponential way, uh, nor go to school somewhere. Right. But based on where he worked, those two, the couple, he had a couple guys that he ran into. So I think, you know, there's just something to, you know, just what I think about right away. And it just makes me think about the importance of, of people having jobs to start. How about that? Right. So regardless of where you ultimately want to land, whatever your goal job is, whatever your goal profession is, when I just think about a high school kid or whomever, when you're able to start working, it is beneficial. Here are some benefits of having a job, not just so you can make money, but also because you can start building your network. Right. And then beyond that, going to school, 
right? Like actually going to school, maybe high school seems a little different, but that's where it starts. But then even going to college, right? Like that's something I used to always think is, man, I know college isn't for everyone. And everyone that ends up going to college, you can still actually go to college for different reasons. But the common reason that everybody can benefit from going to college is because of the networking capacity, right? With your colleagues and fellow students, with your professors that you meet, with the, with the staff, you know, whoever it is, right? Yep. So let's distill that down a little bit. I, I, what you're saying is maybe your primary goal is not necessarily education, even though you're getting a degree. And that's really important to recognize. So as a young person in any field, but particularly in athletic training, that is a very, very small, you know, subset healthcare field. You need to, a young person needs to realize that every opportunity that you have to interact with somebody is potential network gain. And the more that you kind of realize that very early on, it's going to start coming back to you in terms of networking later in your career. So Chris, I think, I forget what maybe particular class you were talking about, but let's say you're in a biology lab and you have people that you are collaborating with. Those people are going to go on to healthcare professions in their future. And I see people that I remember from way back in the day all the time on my LinkedIn network now that are in different healthcare professions. Bro, here's a crazy story. So I was visiting someone in, 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 uh, at U.S. the County Hospital. And we would, I would go, it was, I had visited at least like three or four days in a row. And on one of my days there, I was coming downstairs and in the lobby, I ran into a guy who was in my bio class. He was in my anatomy class at Cal State Fullerton because I was as a part of the pre, you know, as a part of our prerequisites, we had to take anatomy. But in that anatomy class, you had people going into different disciplines to, to your point. So this is an exact. And so it was like, yo, what's up? What you doing? You know, and he was operating. He was in a, working in an operating room as, a, as an MD. And here I am as an athletic trainer. But there was a network there. Now, that didn't really go much beyond that. And we could talk more. I'm sure we'll get into like how these how these networking opportunities actually lead to tangible things, because right here, even in this among us, we see some of these strong benefits. But that was just one example of how just making the touch point of the network, you know, has has some influence. Yeah, it's amazing. No, absolutely. I was I was just going to say that it starts even before college. And I talk to my high school students all the time about the importance of networking um, and how I encourage them to step outside of their comfort zone. Um, all of my students who are interested in, in the sports medicine field, who I really have a, a good uh, relationship with, who are part of um, one of my multiple clubs on campus, I put them in multiple networking opportunities um, to network with other high school students who are interested in the healthcare field. But not tell them like, you don't know this person could be at the same college as you, or you can run into them, to them later down the road. And then based on, on your point, even the students in class, that's how I, I build the culture in my class because I tell them the person sitting next to you, you don't know if they're going to be sitting in an interview, interviewing you 10 years down the road. Right. And, and so they will remember what type of person you were to them in high school uh, when you're sitting there yep. in front of them, they're hire you. Yep. You know, interviewing. So it's always important to make sure that you make a good impression, and that you're just empathetic and 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 nice to everyone, right? And and that you're creating your network. 
and, and going to college, especially going on campus. And my students always ask me like, well, you know, should I go away to college or should I stay on campus? Should I just go online? And let's be honest, the, the biggest benefit of going to a campus college is networking. It's not, it's not the education. It's the, the networking that you get. 100%. Okay. And that, and that goes from what clubs you're a part of, what any fraternity, sorority, the parties you go to, like all that has to do with networking. Fact. Let's, let's shortly pivot to what you're talking about, which is strategies for networking. But I'm going to just put some more numbers to the topic real quick. 70% of professionals get hired at companies where they have a connection. So who you know, who you know matters. <laughs> That's 100% of all of my hires. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Me too. Yeah, I think every every position I've held, it's become, because of someone I knew. Um, Adam, Chris, uh, Dr. Ross, not yet. So you're next, Dr. Ross. You, you need to give my next <laughs> job. So. You're on notice. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it, it's, it's no... I mean, it's not a secret now, but it, it's always been like that. You always kind of know someone that where you're trying to get a job at. And, you know, I actually started thinking about that a little bit because in some of the resources that uh, Adam provided, they talk a lot about homogenous hiring. Managers want to hire someone that looks like, them. not want to, but subconsciously they're, they're doing it. And, and it's kind of how we build our social networks too, right? I mean, we're more just more comfortable speaking to, chopping it up with somebody that looks more like us, that talks more like us. You know, that's I think that's just ingrained in our DNA. So it does take us to be intentional to to kind of seek out of our normal networks to to really ju not just build social networks, but if you're in a hiring position to, you know, give somebody a chance that doesn't really look like you. Athletic training needs to do that right now. This is a huge right. issue in athletic training. Right. And specifically in terms of doing it for people who don't look like you or right? Who are outside of your homogenous group. Exactly. Right. Not male, not white. Yeah. Because the networking, the networking is very prevalent, right? I mean, that's where right. we get the, the whole term, the good old boys club and all of that stuff. Right. And it's, it's a thing, but that creates a disparity or a gap as we were talking about. And, and that, that gap is f for a variety of reasons, you know? Yeah. And, and so being part of at last, right, we want to increase diversity within, within athletic training. And so I have been very intentional on making sure that I continue to increase my network so that I can then be able to bridge that gap between my students and other individuals who want to become athletic trainers so that I can then put them within or increase their network, right? And, and so I'm very intentional about that. Anytime I work, a, a lot of, I would say a lot of the per diem work that I've done covering tournaments and stuff like that, I get the opportunity to work with a lot of new ATs and I will not hesitate to talk to them. Hey, what are you looking to do? You know, what, what are you interested in? Okay. I'll see if I know someone there and, and I will make a phone call and because it's important to help increase diversity by increasing, helping them increase their network. And, and I think as athletic trainers of color, we have to be intentional of going and, and helping those come in and helping usher others who are people of color into, into athletic training. Yeah, we have to bridge that gap. 
for sure. Well, but we, but Kristen is not going to be the person that's going to bridge that gap. And here's why. Kristen is a black athletic trainer. He's, he's less than 4% of every athletic trainer in the United States. So while, while I applaud you, and I know you're going to continue to do that because you're a good person, yeah. this is not going to have an impact on our profession. And that is because you have people in athletic training that are network dense. The four of us on this podcast speaking right now are network dense because we're middle to late stages of our career. We have multiple degrees. We've been at multiple institutions and multiple jobs and some very big places. And so our network and I mean expands a lot. So we need to talk about some strategies of network dense people that are white in athletic training and what those people need to do. Black athletic trainers are doing it, but we need the biggest network to step out as their boundaries. The majority. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit and stir up the pot because that's another thing that we do here. But if I'm honest, I don't. people of color, the black folks and other people too may not be doing as much as they can either, right? Partic particularly those who are network dense. And I think that's another reason, that's another part of why we are here to, to respond to the challenge that we're having ourselves. So I'm going to start there, right? As well as to then share that chat. So we're just not preaching to everybody. We're talking to ourselves too about how we could do this because we recognize with the platform, I recognize with the platforms that I have, I am very intentional about, man, I'm going to use the platform that I have with my current role and leverage that because I know it's a, it's, it can be a very attractive and sexy thing to people. Right. But, but the way that I typically operate is like, oh man, I'm just here doing my job. And there's some truth to that. But I also have to recognize like, man, this is an attractive thing and eyes and eyeballs and ears are going to automatically, when they see that, they're just like, oh yeah, he must be somebody of substance, which I'm glad you recognize that. I'm going to be substance, substantive without those things too, but I'm going to leverage that. Right. So my reaching out to the high school, my reaching out to help with the, to bridge that gap is, is going to be helpful. So the challenge here is for those black athletic trainers that are out there. If you have a, if you have a, 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 a pretty high platform, use it. it and it, and you can use it and it doesn't take that much effort. It's so seemingly effortless. I have a few comments on that. Chris and and uh, I don't know if I'm stirring up the pot with Stir. this, but I mean, well, one, uh, I agree with you, Chris, and 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 I'm saying that a lot because I haven't done it intentionally enough, I don't think, and it hasn't. I haven't mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. opened up my eyes to that until sure. recently, until I took this new position here at Diablo Valley College, where um, I'm a little bit more in contact with those underserved communities, so it's I'm more aware of it and. You know, I, I guess I've always been aware, but I've never been intentional about really like trying to do more work in that arena. But second, to Adam's point, um, you know, if we're if you're talking about white athletic trainers and, and them having the more dense networks, then, you know, since we're on this podcast and people are going to be listening to this, I mean, how do we how do we bring that up, you know, to our colleagues that are white athletic trainers. And to me, I, I really, I don't feel like comfortable. I don't like saying my white athletic trainer colleague, you know, I, they're just my colleagues they're just my friends, but you know, since we're mm -hmm. really trying to be intentional about this, how do we do that? Yeah, we're doing it. 
That's right. And they're not just your colleagues. They, they, they have a story. And a part of that story is where they grew up, where they went to school, right. where they work, who birthed them, you know, whether they immigrated or not, their skin color, all of those things. I'm real white. Yeah. And so that includes <laughs> some of our white athletic training colleagues, right? And we are some of their black athletic training colleagues, yeah. El Salvadorian athletic training colleagues, right? Bates, it's, it's funny that you say everyone has a story. And so over the past week, me and my family watched uh, Cobra Kai. And I don't know if either of you have watched the series um, on Netflix. It's basically a continuation of uh, Karate Kid. And so one of the overarching themes throughout the show is that there's two sides to the story, right? Both, both Johnny and Danny LaRusso both felt that they were being bullied by the other person Right. And and so that they had this strong hate for each other because they had their own story. And if you actually sit and listen and empathize with the other person and listen to their story, you could see how in the movie, the person who you thought was the antagonist was was, you know, not really. And the person who you thought was, you know, not the antagonist was, you know, potentially could have been the antagonist. Um, and so. Yeah, I think it's important that we understand that, they, that everybody has their story, right? Our white athletic trainers, our black athletic trainers, our El Salvadorian athletic trainers. Um, but what's m more important that we have to understand is at the end of the day, we're all athletic trainers. And we, and we want the best for our patient population and we want the best for our profession. And, and that means by hiring and retaining the best potential athletic trainer and opening up that opportunity to everyone. And I think that's what we, we talk about in, when we talk about having more African-American and, and athletic trainers of color is open up the, opening up that opportunity and giving everyone an opportunity to show you that they are an asset and they, they can be an asset to, to your organization. And will, and will be. I mean, we had an episode talking about what diversity brings to business. <laughs> business. <laughs> Business. I, don't, yep. <laughs> I don't know why that came out. Athletic trainers, what if you could do more for your career, for your patients, for yourself? The Indiana State Doctorate of Athletic Training program can help you get there. You will learn the skills to practice at the top of your scope and show your value in healthcare. Interested? Go to www.indstate.edu forward slash DAT for more information or to apply today. Your business. <laughs> I, don't, <Yep. laughs> I don't know why that came out. Profitability. Yeah. Idea creation, thought creation. So there, there is an extreme advantage. So we'll continue to flow here, but towards the end, we're going to talk about strategies that network dense professionals can do themselves. And then we can talk about strategies that students can do as well. Yeah. I want to make a point that I think is really important before we before it gets lost in the sauce with some of this other good stuff. But I think it's worth noting that when we talk about like the numbers, like 70 percent of professionals get hired at companies where they have a connection, for instance. I think it's important to keep that in mind, especially for those who are still in school or who are about to go into school, because I think it really shakes up this this narrative or this perspective that I see a lot of young professionals, up and coming professionals or students even perpetuating this 
this workaholic presenteeism perspective where it's it's almost as though and and I think it has good intentions but it's almost as though a lot of people are putting far too much of their professional success and future career on their shoulders and and I'm and I'm good with I'm okay with people taking that response. I would much rather it be that way than than to, for somebody to be taking little to no responsibility, right? So I want to make sure people are hearing me that, with this. However, to those who I think are thinking a little too highly of themselves, th- this is the point that I want to make, right? Like, don't be so quick to think that all of your hard work and yeah. all of your whatever got you to the places that you are, right? Because the truth, of, because the truth of the matter is, it, there are people who are working harder than you, and 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 haven't gotten half of the opportunities that you've gotten. Oh yeah, and I can say that, yeah, so due to the network gap, Big right? Network gap. I can attest to that too, right? I know I work hard and gotten places. I know I've worked hard and haven't gotten places, right? And so I, I just think that's a very important point that to, to get to the humanity of things for people is just to realize, like don't give yourself more credit than you deserve, right? I, there, was, there was a quote that said, um, what does it say? It, it's so interesting that, you know, if you use baseball as the analogy, it's like, man, s- sometimes people can be born on third base, but yet they walk around as though they hit a triple. <laughs> I like that. So don't be that person. Yeah. Don't be that person talking about how good you can hit the baseball and all of that, but you were born on third base. You didn't hit, you didn't actually hit the triple. You just landed on third. And there's nothing wrong with being born on third base, by the way. But just know that, hey, you're the pinch runner, right? Somebody else hit the ball. And then once they were on base, then you subs, you subbed in, right? And that's mm-hmm. cool. That's an important role. Anyway. All right. I digress. No, that's good. Hey, I love it. So let's talk about, you, you, you touched on a student aspect. You, you made me think of a student aspect, which is, I have one primary item that I think a young person can do, high school, college age student, pre-professional. I think there's one thing that can really expand their network. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts and I I can share mine at the end. Oh, you want us to go first? (laughs) And you bring us home? I'm trying to set it up like that. Yes. We'll put put everybody on base and then you'll hit the grand slam. Well, Chris, man, Chris is going to hit the home run, dog. (laughs) Is he working that field? Yeah. That's high school uh, is his context. I, I would just say it's important for them to understand that it's um, that it's okay to feel uncomfortable, and and so coming from an individual in the inner city, a lot of times they will not know how to increase their network because they're not comfortable being uncomfortable. And I tell my high school students all the time, the best things happen when you step outside of your comfort zone. So you have to be intentional about being uncomfortable. And so I continuously put them in uncomfortable situations. Adam, what I connected you with one of my students who wants to go to to the Navy and be a a medic and then come out and be a a nurse, right? And I'm pretty sure you probably got a weird email that that sounded a bit uncomfortable, but I put them in those situations so that they understand that A, that's important for you creating a network and being able to, to obtain the things, your goals, but it's okay to be uncomfortable. That's where great things happen when you're in your, in your zone of uncomfortability. 
That's all I You have. might still be uncomfortable because I haven't received a response. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Oh, look, there you go. I, I'll, I'll piggyback off of that. I mean, it, it kind of has the, the message I was sent to a high school uh, student or, or even a college about to enter college. Yeah. It's similar to that, but I would say don't be afraid to fail. And which is in the same vein of what Dr. Ross just, just mentioned. And that kind of goes along with Chris's point before too, which is, you know, you may work very hard for several years and not be successful. And that doesn't mean that you're doing things incorrectly. You may just have not met that right person in, in the network. And, and, it, and it also doesn't mean that people may be intentionally holding you down either. I don't think it necessarily translates to that also, but I, I think it kind of puts the onus on us again to where maybe we need to be more intentional about looking out for these little diamonds in the rough. Us as in like the professionals or the, yep. Oh geez. The, yeah. Us that are now in a position to maybe hire someone that we're, we might be a little bit more intentional about looking for those people that are grinding that are talented, that have really good intangible qualities that may have not been given an opportunity to, to grow and succeed. Here's mine. I found this true for my journey. In addition to what everybody's saying, get out your comfort zone, what Chris said, what, what uh, Charles mentioned as well, like not being afraid to fail. I've, I, I got rejected three times to the athletic training program at Cal State Fullerton, by the way. So I think that's a, that's a moment of vulnerability that I share to make the point of what Charles just made very explicitly, like, don't be afraid to fail. Like that's, <laughs> that's not just something cute or a, a cute suggestion. Right. So I had to, and in fact, even in my, my last letter, I got in on the third time, my last letter, the, like the letter of intent that I wrote, I think I started it out saying something like knock, knock, <laughs> knock, knock. Right. Like, Essentially, the point I was making was I'm not going to stop knocking on this damn door until it opens for me, right? Even if that means I have to fail a couple more times and a couple more times and a couple more times. So that's the first. But so in addition to what Dr. Ross and Dr. Ramos said about those things, another part of my journey that I found very beneficial and I would encourage high school and college. I, I just think wherever you are, learn how to interact with with high schoolers with the adults on your campus and your teachers, this is how come it's important to make good impressions with some of these people and stop walking around thinking like, you know, everything and you got it all figured out. Like these folks know people because guess what? They went to school with other people, right? They have, fr they're friends with other people. And if you're just walking around being the, 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 the kid who doesn't care about anything, they're not going to think about you. But more importantly, I think we're going to be, we will have more listeners that are in the college setting you need to be tapped into your professors and it not let it not just be your athletic training professors, right? Um, if you have the privilege and the benefit of doing all your GEs and all of those types of things on the same campus where your ATEP program is, take advantage of those networks, right? I was able to get my biology professor who taught my anatomy class to write me my, my, he actually probably was one of the ones that helped me to get into the athletic training program on the third time because he was notorious for failing students. So much so that the athletic training education program, like counselors would tell us, don't take your anatomy here at this school because it's a very hard class to take, right? 
I ended up taking it anyway. So can you imagine the very professor that they steer everyone away from then writes me a recommendation letter because I tapped in with this guy often. I came extra. I was always talking to him and building my network with him. He wrote the letter. So when they saw that, they're like, oh, if this guy writes the letter, right? So use, you know, and, and you know, I, I, can, I can count on two hands all of the different opportunities that have been afforded to me because of my professors. At Vantage is the premier provider for non-traditional work, advocacy, and resources while pushing the boundaries of athletic training. Follow them on social media at The At Vantage and join their email list for an even deeper dive into all things non-traditional and access to more boundary pushing content. That actually like segues perfectly into what I was going to say. My number one thing is, which is students without any experience, real world experience or very little, still have things to offer. And I think sometimes as a young person, it's really hard to recognize that. And those simple things to offer mm. are time, effort, you can volunteer, and that's how you grow your network. Yes, I could give good. some crazy examples of, I didn't even have this insight when I was young, but it just happened for me. And, and so I could give one example that I think is mind blowing to me when I look back in my career. But volunteer for things as a student, because if you volunteer to just be a subject in a research study, you're going to have time with a graduate researcher, maybe the top researcher, the primary researcher, maybe other students. So literally just give your time. Mm -hmm. and, and that could also look like, well, maybe that you, you have an idea about something to improve a class or a program. If you're a, a real motivated person, you bring an idea to somebody that is going to be beneficial to them, they're going to be like, yo, yeah, let's do this. You, you can now be my intern for this. Yeah. So there's, there's major things that you have to offer as a young person with no experience. And it ties in very well to what both Charles, what all you guys said, which is that's going to be out of your comfort zone, potentially. You may fail. That's fine. But continue to persevere because that stuff's going to pay off for you. So I'll give an example of, of something that I volunteered for that I never had an idea of what the impact would be. So we were all still, I think, in undergrad. So I don't know, 23 years old. A district athletic training meeting. One of our professors said, there's this lecturer. He's here from Germany. He needs someone to be a model for his diagnostic ultrasound. Okay. They're like, you got to go on stage and be with your shirt off. I was like, all right. I was uncomfortable with that. You know, as a young person, yeah, I'm just not as much body image. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Today I'd be like, whatever. But yeah, I was still worried about it. If he was Jack like me in college, you wouldn't have mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, let me quickly move on from that. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, I volunteered. So now I have this dude's email. This dude's traveling the world giving lectures on diagnostic ultrasound. Dr. Garavi, what's up, Homer? Hope you're listening. Um, a few years, a few years down the road, like three years down the road, I don't know what we were talking about, um, but he was—he knew, you know, I had a strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning credential, and he needed a young person to do a strength and conditioning lecture. This lecture was in Switzerland. 
I've never been out of the United States at this time in my life. So he was like, yo, I could pay you for it, like a honorarium, or we could just cover like travel and and the five-star resort that you'll stay at while you're in Switzerland. I was like, yo, cover that. I did this like five-minute lecture in Switzerland, and that's basically what took me to Europe for the first time. Had I not come out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. been afraid to fail, and in what I, my number one point, which is just like volunteer for something, because you're going to meet people through that. That took me to Switzerland. So at the core of what we're talking about, I think deep beneath the surface, networking is really just about being a decent human and connecting with fellow human beings, serving one another, serving your community, serving a bigger purpose than yourself and your doggone resume. Yeah, that's absolutely absolutely right, Chris. Uh, One of the final things I thought about as I was writing down notes for this, this podcast was every time I think about my parents' story, Every time I think about it, I, I pick up something new. And the last time I thought about it was when my parents didn't just hold on to all the blessings and opportunities they had. They then went out and shared them with others. You know, they helped other family members come to this country, helped, like gave them a place to stay, paid for stuff for registration to get their their citizenship in this country. And um, and I know, and I and that's just my my parents. I've seen it in in all of you guys too that you guys are very liberal in sharing your, your time and your energy with others. And, and that I think gets to the root of this whole network networking thing is that that's all where I think we're encouraging people to do is just share a little of your time and your energy with, with others that may need it. And in order to do that, you cannot have a mindset of scarcity. If you think, Oh, I got to keep all my stuff to myself. Right. That's another thing that I think we have in common that will, that's important to, to know because it can be overlooked. It's like, it's one thing just to know, hey, share your network, share your resources. But it's hard to do that if you think, oh man, I got to just only look out for me. So just have an open hand, right? I mean, that's what we've seen time and time again. So Adam, what were you going to say? Well, so let's tie this into addressing the network gap. I'm just going to throw out one more stat because you guys know I like stats. On LinkedIn, applicants referred to a job by a current employer are nine times more likely to get hired. So LinkedIn has done some amazing things and have pushed people to try to address the network gap. And one of their big things a, a year or so ago was the what's called the plus one pledge. So this is my ask of networks, network dense professionals, particularly if you're a white person. Before helping a person who looks like you, this is the plus one pledge, help someone outside of your network. So... I get asked for informational interviews all the time and I have accidentally done the plus one pledge because I'm, I have the habit of never saying no, which is not a good habit. So if a young mm-hmm. professional asks to interview me, I just do it no matter what they look like. But, and, and I'm not saying like, I'm great because of that. I'm just saying, take a moment to recognize. You are pretty dope. Though. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> take a moment, take to, a recognize. moment to recognize that if you're constantly being asked for an interview by someone like you, maybe say, I'm going to hold off on that interview, but I'm going to do this interview for someone who doesn't look like me. That's the plus one pledge. Another strategy that network tense professionals can do, which this is a pretty dope idea that I heard from some of the diversity and inclusion individuals at Netflix, host a Jeffersonian style dinner. So you have one table, this is a Jeffersonian style dinner, one table, eight to 14 guests. You have a critical topic 
And you have diversity sitting at that table to that critical topic. So that could be ideological diversity, racial or ethnic diversity, gender diversity. You guys talk about one topic, you provide some food. Obviously, this is post-COVID, right? Yeah. But you have a predetermined list of questions related to a topic. And then post-dinner, you share the contact info for all the attendees by email. So you have 8 to 14 people from outside of your very dense network. This could also serve a purpose to you if you're at the center of it, right? But the goal yep. is to get people outside of your network to bring them into your network. So after that dinner, you just share a contact info of all the attendees. Maybe you just do it by email and just thanking everybody for attending. Do it on Zoom in, in the meantime. Yeah. So I'll, I'll close with some other network dense things, uh, network dense professionals, some items that they could do. If you're in a position to hire, so if you are at a college, university, a setting that's hiring a lot of athletic trainers, interview diverse candidates. Or if you can influence the hiring too, right? Exactly. You should interview diverse candidates, intentionally recruit from historically black colleges and universities. This is kind of the plus one pledge related to an interview. Give, an, give some interview feedback to a candidate who comes from a diverse background and then diversify your staff and then leverage that diverse staff to provide referrals from their networks. Those are strategies that you can diverse, diversify athletic training. Man, we hit some good topics today. <laughs> the clap track. So Charles, it's so good to have you today. I think it's really important that you're a person that has achieved, you know, some higher education. You're in a teaching and, and clinical position right now. So you're really affecting lives of young students and, and some of those from underserved communities. And so we just thank you for your time and effort. And I think it's really cool that you are a first generation college student that has attained a, a level of what people would describe as success. Success is in itself, what what you what you feel it is, but I think people would look at you and, and say that you're successful. And I'm proud to say that you know, you're a very close friend and colleague. MedBridge provides evidence-based courses, unlimited CEUs, home exercise programs featuring 600 plus exercises and much more. Use promo code THEADVANTAGE, that is T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E to get an annual MedBridge subscription for as low as $200. We thank you today. Is there anything that you have coming up that you want to promote or share? Well, yeah, thank you guys just for, for having me. I appreciate all the, the kind words and, and sentiments. I'm very glad I, I jumped on this with you guys. It's very enlightening. And, and I hope everyone listening can take something away from this, especially the, the student that are listening to this. And specifically, and I guess this is my little plug. I mean, not that it's plugging anything, but our sports medicine students at Diablo Valley College you know, although I haven't really seen much of them throughout this whole pandemic, but I'm definitely going to share uh, this podcast with them so that they can maybe find some jewels in all of the, the topics that we found and expand Absolutely. their networks too. Definitely. And you'll be back. Don't trip. There's, there's a lot to talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm more than happy to come back. Because <laughs> we are network dense. Yeah, we tap our network. And blessed to be. So I want to share as we're wrapping up 
some things that Atlast is trying to do to close the network gap. So one of those things, not surprisingly, everybody on this podcast that you're listening to is involved in the upcoming California Athletic Trainers Association Virtual Symposium 2021. We have Dr. Ross presenting. Chris is part of the the planning committee. Charles is part of the planning planning committee, as am I. And so at last, we'd like to provide free registration to this symposium to any student that identifies as a person of color coming from the states of California, Nevada, and Hawaii. And you'll get bonus if you can say what district that is without us telling you. All right. So, <laughs> so we will, we, at last, will reimburse you for your registration. You have to do two things. You have to take a screenshot that you're registered and you need to listen to one of these podcast episodes and rate the podcast episode. So take a screenshot of, of a review that you provide to us and I'll give you some ways that you could submit that. Email us at atlast at atvantage, atvantagepodcast.com. So atlast, no spaces, at advantage atvantagepodcasts.com no spaces in atvantagepodcasts.com this will be in the show notes if you need to find that yeah email us a screenshot of your registration and your review of the podcast and we will send you money to reimburse now the registration for this online symposium is found at https colon backslash backslash cvent c-v-e-n-t dot m-e backslash b as in victor b as in victor again q-y-a-y yes sir that's the registration for c-a-t-a virtual symposium 2021 the last thing i'll say that at last is trying to do to close the network gap is we are currently looking for an athletic training student that is a person of color to do some work with us this will be paid work. We'll talk about the hourly wage for that. It won't be minimum wage by far. We have some funding that we would like to help us with some diversity and research and other strategies to not only bring more black athletic trainers to athletic training, but also to improve some of the health equity in our communities. Or inequities. <laughs> exactly lastly we have a GoFundMe site you can reach that GoFundMe site by literally just googling GoFundMe increasing diversity in athletic training that will pop up as the GoFundMe check it out gentlemen anything else nah that's it um, cast your nets big and wide I mean that's at the end of the day drop your line the more you drop your line into the water, the better chances you have of catching a fish. Eventually, you'll get a bite.